Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're back today. We're going to try to answer some of your questions today and hopefully we get to your specific question today. Uh, that's what we do here is take questions and then answer them as quickly as we can. We're always a little behind because of uh, closed captioning and the volume of questions that we get, but uh, we get to it as, uh, get to it as quickly as we can is all we can promise you. Uh, there's a phone number and a website on the screen you can use to get in touch with us. You direct the program, you tell us what you want us to talk about, and we follow your script, uh, like I said, as quickly as we can. We get Bible questions, uh, direct uh, Bible questions about a doctrine or a topic or a verse, what it means or where is something. And we get a whole lot of life questions, uh, things that people wonder about uh, their families or the morals of this country or anything that's happening in the news. And, uh, they say, what's the Bible say about that? And we're happy to try to find you some answers to those kind of questions. So that's how the program operates. Uh, let me introduce my partner, Toby Levering. He's back and ready to go. Hi, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad you're here and studied up and ready to go. Uh, we always start with one for our viewers, and uh, quickly, let's look at that. Uh, who is Mary and Martha's brother? Mary and Martha were sisters, and they had a brother at the house, and we want to know his name, and we'll give you the answer at the end of the program. See if you knew that little bit of Bible trivia. All right, Toby, what's your viewer interested in to start the program? Well, our viewer just wants to know, does the Bible say anything about having an affair while you're married? Uh, yes, the Bible says something about that uh, very clearly. Uh, this, is, this behavior, this practice is called adultery. It's not only commanded against, but warned against many times in Scripture. Uh, Proverbs chapter 7 is a whole, of course, Proverbs is wisdom literature. Proverbs 7, Father takes the whole... Uh, time to warn his son about the dangers of the adulterous woman. Of course, adultery is a two-sided thing, but he's just saying be very careful, guard your heart against that thing, uh, against that practice. And as we do so, I think that will protect our marriages and uh, not uh, help us just have better lives and families all the way around. Uh, the Bible clearly speaks against it. Jesus warned against, uh, even went beyond uh, adultery and said, you got to watch out for lust you got to protect your heart from that. And so you got to be careful in how you treat uh, people of the opposite sex and uh, how you look at them and view them in your heart. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 is a verse we'll look at together and is the most clear um, uh, verse that we can look at on this topic. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed be kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. So Bible's pretty clear on that one, and uh, we can look at those verses and know pretty much what God says. That's, well, that's one of the plainer ones. Uh, this one's not that plain. In fact, it's kind of interesting what people have done to this, this question or this topic. A viewer says, where does it say we are to be good stewards of the earth? 
Well, there's a lot of churches these days that if you go to them, and uh, they'll do a whole lot of preaching about being good stewards of this earth and uh, make it a huge part of Christianity is being good environmentalists and protectors of the earth and save this earth and all that. Uh, the trouble is they're teaching the wrong religion. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible, let me give you a couple of verses to look up, simply says in Genesis 2.15, when Adam and Eve were put in the garden, they were told to tend to it and to work it. So they were supposed to take care of the garden. Uh, since they were in paradise, if you will, it probably wasn't really hard work. It was probably enjoyable work, and uh, maybe pruning the trees or something. I don't know what Adam and Eve had to do, uh, but it was just pleasant, uh, wonderful thing. And work ought to be pleasant and wonderful. In Genesis 1 verse 26 and 1 verse 28, God said to man, here's the earth, you subdue it, you have dominion over it. And that's what the Bible says. Now, you know, it talks a little bit about being kind to your uh, livestock and a few things like that, but in general the Bible doesn't say anything else about this earth. The Bible treats this earth as a very temporary thing. In fact, it says it's going to be all burned up, so don't worry about it too much. Now, another religion has come in, uh, which we call environmentalism, which I would contend is really at the radical end, a religion, uh, where we practice earth worship. And people believe this earth is more valuable than man. Earth is more valuable than anything. Earth has become their god. And Romans 1 says that'll happen. It says, says that men will dishonor God and they will worship the creation instead of the creator. Okay, So when you talk about being good stewards of the earth, at one level, uh, I'm a good steward of the earth. I teach my boys not to litter. I, if I go hunting or fishing or out in nature or anything, I don't leave anything behind. I clean up the campsite. I do all that. I want to leave it better than I found it. I am try to be a good steward. But I don't worship the earth. I don't believe that a whole lot of people uh, ought to die to protect some little species of fish that nobody's ever seen. Uh, so be careful here we talk about being stewards of the earth. The Bible doesn't teach radical environmentalism where the earth is to be protected. In fact, it says the earth is going to be burned up, so don't worry about it too much. Uh, live holy and godly lives and help other people and uh, teach about Jesus and all of that, but don't worry about the earth. So I know that probably offends some people or bothers some people in this day of uh, radical environmentalism, but the Bible doesn't teach radical environmentalism. All right, Toby. Yep, and a viewer wants to know uh, specifically, what is the Protestant belief about John 6, verses 53 through 54? And so uh, I'm going to assume this uh, viewer is of the Catholic faith. That's kind of a general division among religion as the Catholic uh, Church, and then uh, basically anyone not in that is called a Protestant. A protestant, if you will, and uh, they want to know specifically about the verse. So let's look at the verse first, where in John chapter 6, verses 53 through 54, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, 
and I will raise them up at the last day. Well, this is a, a doctrine and teaching of the Catholic Church, uh, and they use these two verses uh, to base that on. And I think the, the problem with this doctrine is that it ignores a little bit of the context. You read a little farther, um, this is a doctrine called transubstantiation. And what they believe is when the, you take partake of Holy Communion and the priest gives it to you, it transforms and literally becomes his body and the, the cup, the, the, the uh, fruit of the vine becomes, uh, literally transforms into his blood. And uh, that's a, a huge part of the teaching and they believe that when you do that, that's Christ in you and uh, it's just uh, teaching and a doctrine that I don't believe the Bible supports. And the reason I believe that is because we read a few verses farther down. Uh, John chapter 6, verses 60 through 63, Jesus explains this teaching because a lot of people back in that day were offended by it. Uh, on hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if the Son of Man, uh, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, now listen to this, they are full of the Spirit and life. Jesus is saying himself that he was speaking in a spiritual sense. And that I understand. That when we partake of communion every week, uh, we do so, as he would later say, in remembrance of him, in remembrance of what he did. Uh, not that there's anything uh, magical or mystical or mysterious about the emblems of communion, uh, but they represent something. So that as we partake, it's a physical thing that uses, uh, reminds us of a spiritual truth. And that happens a lot during worship. Uh, or at least it should. So uh, Jesus' words were a spiritual, symbolic, not to be taken literally. Um, communion is an important part of our weekly worship, and we take of it to remember Christ. We remember His body given for us, and we remember, furthermore, the body of which we are a part, the body of Christ, the church. And so it's a beautiful picture of what He did. But no, Jesus was not teaching you have to take these things and they literally transform inside of you. Um, that's just not the case. Uh, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, how Paul dealt with this subject at, to the church at Corinth. He said, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This, it, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so I hope that ex helps explain uh, a difficult doctrine in just a few minutes yep. what the Bible says. Nope, appreciate that. Let's talk about a good way to study the Bible. We uh, study the Bible with you a little bit each week and answer a few questions. Uh, but uh, we don't answer all of your questions, but the Bible does answer all of your questions. So if you want to find out what God's got in store for you and are interested in His message to you, uh, you need to study the Bible. And uh, we have some materials that we are happy to share with you that help you study the Bible. Now, I know we've got a lot of old-time Bible students watch this program. They've got their own method of studying the Bible, and they read a couple chapters every day or whatever their method is. Uh, 
for a beginner, however, it's kind of hard to get started in Bible study. It's tough to just sit down and read through, especially when you don't know anything uh, about the history. Maybe you've never gone to church in your life, and you, you, you don't know Genesis from Revelation or what's in between. Well, this set of lessons that you see on the screen will help you figure that out. In fact, it starts, you see the first two lessons there, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, you got to know the difference between those. Why is your Bible in two pieces? Uh, why is there one big part called the Old Testament and a smaller part called the New Testament? That's what you start with in this study. So it's, it's pretty basic. Uh, it's not tied to any church doctrine or creed or anything from man. It's just a study of the Bible. helps you get grounded in it. And once you finish these eight lessons, uh, you will have a certificate. You graduate from this one, and then there's another next one. and uh, We've got more advanced courses on where you just keep learning a little more about your Bible, and you'll learn a lot about your Bible with we'll Know Your Bible Study Tools. Phone number, website are on the screen. All you got to do is use those. Say, I'd like that free course. I want to start learning about the Bible. And we'll send you the first lesson. Uh, if it's something you find helpful, you just keep right on going. If it's something you think is a waste of time, just stop. We won't bother you in any way. Uh, we think you'll keep going, however, because we've got a pretty good history over all the years of folks that uh, tell us how much they learned and how much they enjoy it. So give us a try today. Phone number, website on the screen. Tell us what you'd like to know, uh, what you'd, uh, that you'd like that free course. We'll get it started for you. All right, let's see. I got the next one here. Viewers heard us mention a verse about the three ways of temptation, and they want to know what that verse was. They didn't catch it. They're happy to provide it for you. It's 1 John 2, 16 and 17, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And what John says is, all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eye, the pride of life. The old translation is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father but it is from the world. All right, now what he's saying in that is everything in the world, every trick that Satan has, the only three ways he has to attract us are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's how he tempts us. Every temptation fits one of those three things. That's all that is in the world. And he says, don't follow the world, avoid those things. Those aren't from the Father. Uh, they're from Satan. So Satan uses a lot of things that God uh, says are good and then uses them to twist them and turn them and, and draw us away through either the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or pride of life. So John chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 mentions the three ways of temptation is what I call them. Okay, a viewer asked the question, uh, what do you need to say to, to God in order to be saved. <clears throat> well, uh, a viewer is correct in that there is part of uh, the salvation process, this confession with the mouth. Uh, we call that uh, actually profession, uh, professing what you believe uh, with your mouth is an important part of what we do because uh, Jesus said that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks and so we believe that once you sincerely believe something in your heart, you're willing to confess that uh, before others, uh, maybe uh, as you're uh, becoming a Christian, but certainly as you continue in your Christian walk. And that's very important. Uh, let's look at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. 
And Paul says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is your, with your heart you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And now some folks will take this verse all by itself and say, well, okay, all I have to do is believe and, and say Jesus is Lord. Well, part of saying Jesus is Lord is really believing that he's Lord. In other words, doing what he said. What I'm getting at here is that uh, saying Jesus is Lord is not the totality of how to become a Christian. Uh, Jesus went on to say that you have to repent and be baptized into Christ, uh, into him and when you do that, then you are a new creature and a new creation. Peter promised that when you did that, uh, you would uh, receive the forgiveness of your sins at that moment. And you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who works inside all Christians, uh, working to make them a new creation in Christ. So uh, it's not the end of the process, but it certainly is a part of the process. Uh, I don't think there, you know, some people think, well, you've got to say an exact thing in an exact way. And there's not really an exact formula, but this is the idea that what we speak uh, professes to what we believe, and that is an important part of becoming a Christian. So I hope that helps you. There's not an exact formula, but the Bible tells us we got to profess. All right. Uh, viewer wants me to comment on TV preachers here, so <laughs> I'll, I'll try to be careful here. Uh, some TV preachers say, if we give money, then we will get more money in return. Is that in the Bible? Well, when I first read that question, it, I thought of you know, some of the commercials on the radio and TV that are uh, sound too good to be true. And then at the end, they, they got that guy that talks real fast, <laughs> that issues all the disclaimers, you know, says, this is true, blah, 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 but there's all the reason. Well, that's kind of my answer to that. Yes, that's in the Bible. Uh, if we give, we'll get more. But there's a little more to it than that. And let me explain some background here and uh, help you understand what TV, most TV preachers or many TV preachers are doing. The principle is in the Bible. Very clear Bible principle. It's all through the Bible. Uh, I picked one verse from the Old Testament that's just clear as day. We'll look at that uh, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And the, the wise man said, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increases. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So he says if you honor God with your possessions, and the first fruits means the first part of them. In the Old Testament it was a tenth. Uh, you gave the first ten percent of what your crop was going to be and how they figured that and all that I don't know, but they gave a tenth of it. And then he said, God would bless them. If you do that, your barns will be full, your vats will overflow, you'll have plenty. Well, that's the principle. The principle's repeated in the New Testament. That you give, it will be given unto you. Uh, in fact, more. It says heaped up, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Uh, you, it, you can't outgive God. So that principle's in there. Now, it gets perverted by TV preachers and others for that matter. They don't have to be on TV. Uh, it gets perverted by them with a, into a health and wealth and prosperity gospel is what I call it, where if you send some money in, if you give some, you're going to be blessed in so many ways. 
and they make it sound. Uh, they don't just make it sound. They teach, basically, that God is kind of like a ATM machine that pays you back. If you put a dollar in, you'll get $15 back out. If you put $100 in, you'll get $1,500 back out. Uh, is kind of the way they teach about God. Well, the problem with that is what God rewards is faith, and that's in our heart. So when we are told to give and it will be given unto us, if we have faith and give out of our first fruits or as a sacrifice beyond what we uh, even can afford, like some folks in the Bible, then he blesses that faith. And then it's true. You can't outgive God. But he also knows why you're giving. If you're giving like it's a game, like, okay, I'm going to give a dollar and I'll get 15 back. Or I'll, uh, I'll give $1,000 to this guy and I'm going to get rich. Uh, if you're playing it for a game, God knows your heart. He, he's not going to reward that. Uh, but if you are giving in faith, yes, the principle's there, the principle's true, and God's going to take care of it and make sure that you never want. That that was the principle of, of giving a 10%. Uh, do you realize how hard that must have been back in those days uh, when you hadn't had a good crop in a while maybe and you looked like you were going to have a good crop and uh, but a thunderstorm's coming and you give the first 10% away and you don't know how it's going to do the rest of the way, God promised he'd bless them, and he did. Uh, he made things come out all right if they gave out of faith. So uh, that's the principle, but when you pervert the principle and make it a, a monetary deal and a, a game for cash like you play in the lottery, God doesn't like to be treated like a lottery. He, he, he will probably not reward you uh, if, if you're giving from that perspective. So, uh, yeah, it's in the Bible, and you give out of faith to a good cause, to your home church, to a good charity, to just <clears throat> something like that to help people. God's going to reward you. You, you can't outgive God. All right, let me take this moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, this program is presented by the Churches of Christ, produced by the Churches of Christ, and uh, supported by the Churches of Christ in your area. So we like to mention one or two every week and uh, thank them for keeping us on the air. Today's time to talk about the home church of Know Your Bible, uh, Northside Church of Christ. We're up on the north side of Wichita. Uh, and on the way to Valley Center on Meridian, actually, or if you go around K96, get off on the Meridian exit, you'll find us right there north of the exit. So uh, that's where we're located, and if you live anywhere in the Wichita area, we invite you to come visit us sometime. If you're passing through from somewhere else and happen to be here on a weekend, uh, come visit us. We'd be happy to meet you, always happy to meet Know Your Bible viewers when they drop in at Northside. And, uh, introduce ourselves to them. Happy to have you with us. Uh, Northside's a great congregation. Got a lot of good programs. If you uh, got some things going on in your life that you need a little help with, we got a great program called Celebrate Recovery. Uh, it's on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and uh, lots of folks get together and deal with their hurts, uh, habits, and hang-ups. And if you've got some of those, be a great place to drop in. Thursday nights at 7 Lots of good things going on at Northside and any Church of Christ in your area. 
be a great place to visit. If you're looking for a church home, uh, drop in and tell them where you heard about them. Uh, if you know somebody at a church, or maybe you know somebody that attends Northside, uh, tell them you saw the ad about them and you watch Know Your Bible. You appreciate them keeping us on the air and uh, tell them thank you for us. So come visit us sometime. All right, Toby, get time for another one, I think. Sure. We get this question from time to time about cremation. The viewer asks, is cremation right or wrong according to the Bible? Uh, well, the Bible uh, speaks on this subject amorally. Uh, there's not a right or wrong. The Bible doesn't specifically say, give a thou shalt not or a thou shalt, uh, so to speak. There's no command. There's no... Uh, there's there's a few examples of people uh, being cremated, but very little, and so what we take from that is uh, it's neither right or wrong. Uh, it's just a matter of personal preference, and it's something that uh, you need to think about. Once you've decided if you want to be cremated or not, you need to communicate that clearly with your family and any any your funeral uh, preparations. Uh, make sure that that's very clear. Uh, cremation if you don't know is just the disposal of the the dead body and the body's just a shell it's it what happens to it makes no difference to what happen and and doesn't affect in any way what happens to us in the afterlife uh some people get very concerned think well if i reduce the body to ashes boy uh and jesus comes back how's he going to put that body back together to be the resurrection body and Listen, Jesus is going to figure all that out, and uh, it, all the bodies that have been there for a significant amount of time are already dust and ashes anyway. So uh, just communicate about the decision. The Bible doesn't give one way or the other concerning that issue. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 52. Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So uh, we're, it's a spiritual thing, and uh, uh, what you, decision you make is not going to affect anything in eternity. All righty. Well, on a, almost the same topic, who <clears throat> wants to know about reincarnation? Is the Bible for or against reincarnation? And I'm going to use Toby's answer. It's neutral on reincarnation. It doesn't say yes. It doesn't say no. Now, it is definitely against the principle of reincarnation. So I guess you could say it's against it. The Bible <laughs> says it ain't going to happen. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 makes it real clear. It was appointed for men to die once. And after this, the judgment. Reincarnation teaches that people are going to die and come back as something else and then die again and come back as something else and die again. That's more than once. So the Bible is against reincarnation, the principle of it. We're going to die once and then the judgment's going to happen. So that, that settles that. You don't look for another uh, reincarnated body. Trivia question of the day. Let's make sure we answer that. And it is named Mary and Martha's brother. Their brother was old Lazarus, the one that Jesus raised from the dead. Uh, a good friend of his, Jesus wept at his funeral, but then raised him from the dead. We're glad you've been with us today. We don't have time for any more questions, but we've got a lot of them stacked up uh, coming next week, and we'll invite you to be back for those as we try to uh, cover as many of them again as we can. If you haven't signed up for that correspondence course, it would be a good day to do that. 
We thank you for being with us. Hope we get your question answered right today. We'll see you next week on Know Your Bible. Till then, have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.